Previously on the Galactica Quorum. Again, it's just more of that forced, hollow, Starbucks, Anders D thing, and I'm like, get over it already and get on with stuff that's interesting. When they first had that little meet and greet when the silence came over on their raider, one thing I wish they had was a little moment between Gata and Baltar, because he was like his lieutenant for a long time. And oh, he I didn't think really... Gata will finally decide to kill him. We'll now get an opportunity to see how some of these other characters will react once he's back in the fray. I would like to see Gata just walk in there and shoot him in the head. This is terrible. How do I get out of this? Threw both fists up in the air. I was like, yes, 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 yes. He's a sissy. He really is a sissy. He doesn't know how to stand up for himself. Welcome to the Galactica Quorum. This is episode number nine. I am Brian. I'm Dimitri. I'm Michelle. I actually have something I wanted to add uh, as my first comment of the day. I believe I owe Brian a dollar. Uh, We made a bet before the break that there would be more Cylon threesomes with Caprica, Deanna, and Baltar. And since Deanna is on ice, I don't think that they're going to have, because that's be gross. So here's a dollar. Thank you very much. Well, thanks. I wish I didn't have to take this, because as you know, I I like that aspect. So with that out of the way, uh, here's some housekeeping. Our email address is gquorum at gmail.com. I know I have it, to spell that. I know it's it's ridiculous to spell. Sounds cool, impossible to spell. G Q U O R U M at gmail.com. And our website is galacticaquorum.com. Uh, again, Galactica and Quorum Q U O R U M. And the funny thing is in my notes I have it's it's spelled wrong. It's spelled wrong. <laughs> I've got the R and the U transposed. That's just great. <laughs> Okay, but um, we also have a voicemail line. You can call us, 206-202-0274 or 206-2020-BSG. Leave us a message. We have some email. Brian wrote us last week with some of his Cylon picks, and we read those. And he wanted to clarify that it wasn't a list of likely Cylons. It was a list of Cylons that would be interesting. And, yes, that I, I agree with that because like some of those indeed would be Kind of a kicker if if uh, Kane was one or if Zarek was one. But yes, they're kind of unlikely. And he does send another uh, email with some questions. And unfortunately, I don't think we're going to get to it this time next week because there's no show next week. We're going to do some more speculation next week and cover up some more topics. So I think we're going to save some of those comments for next time. But we do have another email from Ed. Yes, it was from Ed. And this one's a rather long email as well, so I'm only going to read the first half of it. And we'll get to the next half next time. Right. All right. And he wrote, It never occurred to me that Ellen Ty could be one of the final five after she died on New Caprica. Although, it would certainly screw with Ty's mind and heart big time. I think it would kind of be a cop-out for such a flawed human character as Ellen. I think Lee Oradama said it best at a dinner party in season one when she said, when he said that she better be a silent or they'll all be in serious trouble. The same argument could be true for Starbuck, and I'm fervently hoping that she's not a Cylon. Making either one a Cylon would negate their good and bad choices and personal growth and pain, wouldn't it? That's probably a good point. I think Ellen, however, I think she could still 
passed that test because she showed not only like a bad side, but she also, towards the end, you saw that a lot of her actions were motivated to protect her husband. And so she had like a, ironically, a human element to her that made her want to do Well, those I things. went back and I watched the miniseries, season one and half of season two this weekend. So I've caught myself up on a lot of stuff that I have forgotten. And in the episode where Ellen does come back and they test her to be a Cylon and Baltar claims that she passed it, but tells Six that he's never going to really say what it really said. So maybe she is a Cylon and Baltar's hiding it. And as far as her being a flawed human character, I mean, maybe the flaws were intentional. All the Cylons have a little bit of flaws here and there, but I think it'd be funny. I think it would be fun. <laughs> just yeah, it would totally them, screw Ty. But I think of all of them, that one makes the most most sense to me, and it also appeals to me the most, just in terms of a good fit for who it would be. One of the features we're going to have, hopefully, is some updates on Sci-Fi and Battlestar Galactica cons. At this point, however, I didn't find anything really. I yeah. mean, the the official Battlestar Galactica convention is in November, but. Obviously, they don't have anything yet. They don't tell you who's going to be there or what their schedule is because they usually publish that stuff a week or so before the event. So that's not going to be until November. But anything else? I haven't found anything If yet. we find any information, uh, we will pass that along. And actually, my question this time to anyone is to uh, ask if any of you have been to a sci-fi convention or con that particularly had Battlestar guests or speakers, not just any sci-fi con, but... Specifically, one of the people that was attending or speaking was a Battlestar person. And if, you know, are your experience with that. So I'd like to hear that. That'd be interesting. Before we go into our discussion of the latest show, which is taking a break from all your worries, we just want to say up front, we have not listened to the official Ronald D. Moore podcast at this point yet. And we will be discussing the current episode in depth. But no spoilers, that includes no discussion of previews, but we will be speculating. And I promise, I did not watch any previews. <laughs> Thank goodness. I'll do a quick synopsis of the episode, just so we can all have uh, a good recollection of what it was about. Uh, let's see. Balthar tries to hang himself, and has a vision which casts doubt on him being one of the final five. A new bar opens up on the hangar deck. Apollo and Chief pound a few while singing, can't live with them, can't live without them. Rosalind confronts Baltar and threatens to throw him out the airlock, but that does not affect him. He does not concede intentional involvement with the silent attack. Dean Anders, tired as we are of the Apollo Starbucks soap opera, tell their spouses to just do what they want and end the madness. Adama reveals that museum ships are equipped with experimental interrogation drugs, so without much reservation they administer the drug. And Baltar has a long trip, somewhere between Pink Floyd's The Wall and the Beatles' Yellow Submarine, Sands Submarine. Floating alone in water and darkness, while Adama breaks his will with a maglite, eventually Baltar appears in a resurrection tub surrounded by ghostly-looking children, and they're presumably representing the lost generation of humanity that he helped kill, not the final five. At least that's the way I took it. Having failed to get useful information, the Brain Trust decides to get Gaeta to play a good cop, to get Baltar's cooperation. But when Baltar whispers in Gaeta's ear, bet you can't stab me in the neck with a pen, you sissy, <laughs> Gaeta does the unthinkable and stabs Baltar in the neck with a pen. Adama clocks Gaeta with one punch, proving that if nothing else, Adama ain't no sissy. 
Over the thumping bass of techno music playing at the bar, the ever-romantic Apollo tells Dee that he needs her and wants to stay with her. And as it happens, Starbuck and Anders are also at the bar, and tortured glances are exchanged. Roll credits. Okay. So, <laughs> that was well done. Yeah. Thank you. So let's uh, move into our discussion then. Your initial thoughts. Well, I want to just uh, give a little, not props, but I guess just I think Michelle can rest easy uh, now that Gata has attempted murder on Baltar. Michelle has mentioned that twice, I think, in two past podcasts. So now that's out of the way. Also, I thought it was interesting. Well, there's a bunch of things I thought interesting, but just really not show-related, but usually pen to the neck is prisoner to jailer as opposed to pen to the neck interrogator to prisoner. Good anyway, point. There you go. I liked it. I liked the show, yeah. I thought it was, That was a it great, was great episode. And Edward James almost directed it, and he did a fabulous job. I absolutely loved it. It was nice and dark. I noticed that right away, that uh, he was a director, and he was... Almost one of the telltale signs of when an actor is directing is they're out of a lot of the scenes. And he was, yeah. like, the initial scenes with Rosalind when she was in there and he was not. I was like, okay, well, he's behind the camera. But he did a really good job. And actually, I believe he also directed the episode where Ellen first comes on to the base star. So. He did. He directed the one where Ellen Ty came back. Yeah. But this one was way better than that one. <laughs> yeah. I thought this one was it definitely had, uh, put it this way, I, I liked it. Despite having a lot of Apollo Starbuck drama, it, it was leagues ahead of the, the boxing episode. It felt like it wasn't as forced. It wasn't cloying like the other one. And it also had the, the Baltar angle, which was also interesting. Although it wasn't perfect, some of the things were, as I probably made clear in my little synopsis, there's a few things which I thought were a stretch. My wife, Jen, was wondering after we watched the show if the directors and the writers decided that the whole... I mean, they, they seem to have taken up so much time with, you know, the, the love romance and the marriages falling apart and that sort of thing. I wonder... She wondered if they finally decided, you know what, this is... There's no forward momentum here. There's no... There's not... The storyline is not building any characters or building up any kind of anything. And so maybe... Maybe maybe they listened to our podcast and they decided, you know, this is just not going anywhere. Let's let's just cut it. So I, I think after this, I think after that bar scene, I think it's dead. And if it's not, it should be. I don't think it's dead. I think they're going to still maybe bring some little, little things in because I just don't think they want to completely abandon that. I agree. I think there'll be like glances and stuff, but I don't think they're going to be sneaking off into the corners and making out or anything like that. Because if they do, it just that would negate the whole bar scene thing. I disliked the bar. Oh, actually, I, I think the bar is awesome. But I it think shows it's a, up out of like nowhere. That was an issue I had for sure. It was they set aside the hangar deck for the boxing episode, and now I guess they cleared that out, and now they set up this bar, and they should not have space to do that. Frankly, they've assumed all the vipers from Pegasus. So although they've lost fighters over time, they now have two ships worth of fighter inventory on on their one hangar deck. Why does Galactica need a bar? How many military ships have a functioning bar like that? But here's the thing. All military ships have a home base where sailors can go and drink. These people haven't had a bar for months. They're bars on the other on the civilian ships. Yeah, but the military people can't leave the the military ship to go drink. Sure, they can on their leave. They can. Yeah. Well, anyway, I I like the bar. Although I do think that they shouldn't be allowed to attend the bar in uniform. I think uh, 
it seemed it like there was a, a lot of people in the bar and they're all getting pretty hammered. The other thing I disliked about the bar was the fact that for Adama and Tyrol to relate, they had to make Tyrol and Callie have a fight. Right. That was so this invented. This supposed fight that happened between them and it just, just so they could have a conversation. It seemed really stupid and out of place. I guess the reason I really like the bar is because... I don't know, maybe it's a cliche with TV and, and stories, but when they show the bar, I thought back to MASH, and a lot of stuff got, you know, hashed out, and loose ends were tied up, and things were, you know, really fun things were taken care of in the bar with a grape knee-high. I think lots of things right. can get done with a grape knee-high. Exactly. I, I thought the same thing. When you look at the show title, it's supposed to make you conjure up cheers, but to me, it did indeed make me think of the MASH bar, where people would come on in and the mash bar too it's a hospital and a hospital shouldn't have a bar because all the doctors should be they should have their wits about them all at all times because you don't know when something's going to happen when injuries are going to come in and surgery needs to be reformed and that bar too was built like on a hill out of shingles and pieces of wood and like slapped together and it was really raw and rudimentary and that's the feeling I have from this. Sure, they, they don't have a lot of room in the hangar and they have ships and whatever. But the way that this looked, it looked like it was stuffed into a corner. And so, I, I don't know, I, I, I enjoyed it. I don't see it being played up too much in the future, but I liked it. We'll probably never see it again. We'll probably never see it again, which is probably why I think if they had made it less of a huge production, it would have been more palatable to me. If it had been... You know, less with the, you know, the big bar. I mean, it even had a. It was like a. It was a bar. It was. They, it wasn't just like a bunch of tables and things in there. And if they had it more scaled down, it would have been more believable. Like instead of instead of the rail drinks in the back and the actual bar, it would just be crates and boxes with yeah. bottles on them. And and they got like a sound system in there. And there's all kinds of you know they're just pumping out these tunes. And they they hung up a viper above. For ambiance and I didn't even notice the viper above for ambiance. Yeah, they did. Uh, yeah, it reminded me of that one. Top Gun. That one bar in uh, <laughs> College Park, 94th Aero Squadron. Oh yeah, that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so do you agree with me that the Chief Cali thing was just entirely a device? That's not going to be on. I did. To me, I felt like it was like one of those arguments where why don't you change the diapers more? Well, I'm getting out of here, and he kind of just went off. It wasn't. Like the Apollo thing, like, oh, my life is terrible. How do I get out of this? I guess I didn't have the same take as you guys. I didn't notice that they had a fight just so that Apollo and he could have a conversation. But I did think that they had never, ever mentioned before that they've had a fight. Their relationships seem to be pretty tight. They've so, had a couple, but they were really small and they ended really quickly. It just seemed, I don't know. I didn't think of it at the time, so it doesn't bother me all that much. Do you believe him when he got up and left after Apollo was asking him about whether he thought of Sharon anymore? Yes, I totally believe him. I, I do too. And, I, and I, I think I think Apollo should have learned something from that too. I take it as he was there to like just get some steam off and get away from the somewhat naggy wife. And this guy's talking about, well, you do, don't you? Don't you think about it? Like, no, God, you're annoying me. Goodbye. Yeah. But I love Adama's face after that. I think that uh, Ali was just trying to get he was just trying to find approval. somebody. Yeah, approval. Yeah. I think he was just trying to find approval. Yeah, yeah, I think about her. It's okay that you think about her. It's okay, you know. But he's like, no, dude, I don't think about her. Grow up. Yeah. I'm out of here. But Lee's face afterwards was just 
classic Lee. He looked like a he's a sissy. He really is a sissy. He doesn't know how to stand up for himself. And the funny thing is, the way she felt is the way I've always felt about this whole Starbuck Apollo soap opera. It's like, all right, uh, see you later. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that was in, at all intentional on the writers' parts. If they had I hope one ad lib that. Well. <laughs> Any thoughts about the long Baltar? interrogation scene or you know any of the images you saw when he first like were you faked out when he first oh, woke up totally yeah. i i jumped out of, i just barely jumped out of my seat i threw both fists up in the air i was like yes 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 and then as soon as i i got the yes 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 and my fists up in the air i kind of slunk back into the couch and i looked at my wife and i was like you know what i bet you he's hallucinating <laughs> and then he was i was like ah yeah, that that totally. I was like, I felt like I was on top of it, and then I wasn't. <laughs> I was hoping he was, but... It makes it oh, sound I... like, definitively, he is not a Cylon. They made it somewhat clear in his mind that he is not. Well, here's the thing that I thought about. Well, possibly he was hallucinating, but maybe... And you mentioned the children. But maybe what I was thinking is that, well, maybe he was actually dying. And, I mean, what happens if you... When do you resurrect? I mean, do you resurrect right away? What if you do die, you start resurrecting, someone performs CPR on you. I mean, you could be dead, but then they bring you back. Do you unresurrect? Then I started thinking, well, maybe he was actually being resurrected, but the children were there because since maybe he's, if he's one of the five, maybe he resurrects in a different place than in the normal ship because he wouldn't resurrect in the normal ship since the seven Cylons don't know who the five Cylons are. So maybe he is a Cylon, but he got resurrected in the cell. Yeah, the children he, were totally later. Yeah, that was the water That was the, the water second thing. thing. The first time he actually woke up in the resurrection thing, and it really resembled the resurrection tub, was... Oh, right. There was a bunch the, of sixes, sixes around You're him. right, you're right. My bad. Okay. Uh, okay. I think they made it about 85% closure that he is not, but they've left just enough wiggle room where they could say... Yeah, but he was hallucinating, and this, the head six, it could come back. The head six is a figment of his imagination, so what she says really doesn't count. And So there's enough there where they could just keep it open a little okay, bit. Okay, you're right. I feel bad now. I, I do remember now this, the three sixes, and they were cutting him and stuff, and then he woke up. Okay. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned the resurrecting and how long it takes. A question has to come up of what is the range of that resurrection, because... In the bonus scene, which we'll get to in a second, Caprica 6 says, Leoben told us about how you flushed him out the airlock. And at the time, the thing with that was they were telling Leoben, you know what, we're pretty out far, we're out yeah, in the, the deep, time, deep space. You're not going to resurrect. It could be death for real. At and, the time, they didn't realize that they were being tailed by a resurrection ship. I guess it's maybe like 10 episodes later. <laughs> they start telling them that as the Cylons were tailing them, mm. they actually did have a resurrection ship with them. Yeah. Okay. I would like to know, though, is, but maybe we'll, we'll not ever find out because that becomes one of those techno babble things where, you know, how far is how well, far is it for real? And Boomer, didn't she resurrect all the way back on Caprica? That's true. The way I think about that is they just have it's like a Wi-Fi relay, you know. It's yeah, like, we've had this discussion before. <laughs> it, it starts here, it pings to this other location, and then it pings over to another one, and then it finally goes down to the to there, which. Begs the question why that she couldn't just resurrect on a base star and then transport her back, but maybe they just wanted her to be on a planet, so it wasn't so shocking when she woke up and was like you know, freaking out. You don't see her resurrect for a while, right? Do you? 
that one might have been one of those where they time shifted. They took great liberty. They just moved things around. Like the, the scene you see at the very beginning might not be totally in phase with the rest of the, the series at that time. And then they just caught up really. So there might be several weeks difference between like a couple scenes. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Empire Strikes Back where you know, Luke's training on Dagobah and they, they're traveling to Bespin. But how long did it take? with a sublight engine for them to travel the best. But I mean, like how much train did it, you, we don't know what the actual, <laughs> I had to throw in some other sci-fi in there. Just, just to oh. throw the one, a wide net. That's like with the, the prequel series where no, like, prequel. all of a sudden they're no prequel here discussion and then they're here. there in like two seconds. No, well, <laughs> well, I want to throw in something that, that it was just, it was really small and slight, but I really liked, uh, as far as makeup goes after they, um, brought Baltar down and, and uh, like the following scene he was laying there and he had um, burn marks on his neck hmm. from the rope from the hanging noose and I just thought it was really slight and I, I saw it and I was like oh you know what that was really nice because a lot of times big scenes happen and then the following scene doesn't play up that part and so I just it was really small really slight but I liked it. Speaking of the hanging scene it seems like in this one head sex had a lot of almost like physical ability in the past, she's been able to like jam his head into a mirror and things like that. And it all comes from him, and he's performing the uh, the action himself. His his motor like si- Fight Club. Yeah, like Fight Club. His motor system is doing it, but it's like being inspired by her. But it's like they almost stretched the boundary a little bit to me with her seemingly to kick the chair out. It seemed a little yeah. bit too much pushing the edge there because you're almost. I don't think it was is meant to indicate that, oh my gosh, she's actually becoming a phantasm that can actually move things. But some people might actually question that, and I think they kind of pushed it a little bit right there. Is it possible that what they're doing with that is just showing that he's got some serious bipolar disorder, like uh, two personalities cruising at the same time? One doesn't want to commit suicide. The other one's like, well, it's got to be done this way. Mm-hmm. And so maybe maybe the, maybe the six in his head is you know really... Baltar's other persona. Now, did any of you get to watch any of the bonus material? I was only able to watch the bonus that they showed on the TV right, right after the show, but not online. I, I find, went back and watched it online. Yeah, I finally was able to watch it. Like the first 24 hours, it was just a cluster. They did, they couldn't get it up right. And then after that, I was able to watch it last night, and they had the full scene. And I don't know why they didn't have that scene and and in lieu of some of the extraneous starbuck apollo stuff that goes on and on i think they easily could have slipstreamed that in and it would have been really compelling i would have loved to see more of that i, agree. I really I, i've said this in the past podcast but i really want to see of the caprica six dynamic to me she is the character that there's so much untapped with her because what we know of her only really was in the first couple minutes of the miniseries and everything else after that was based on our own perceptions of head six and projecting that onto the Caprica 6 character, and they're not the same. So I want to see more of her. I want to see how she's different from Head 6, aside from having a bit of a vindictive streak of capping off other Cylons, Cylon on Cylon violence. And I also want to know more about her head Baltar, because she has had that experience, and I think that is a key with the two of them. What's going to happen when his Head 6, who's led him through that opera house and shown him lots of visions and all kinds of things, conflicts with her does she know that he has it have they ever discussed that when they were on new caprica there's all these questions i have what were they talking about did they ever say oh hey by the way were you ever in my head they never addressed that i would love to know 
But what did you think regarding the bonus scene? Having again it was more Rosalind FaceTime, which I was happy to see because she, to me, in the first half of the season, has not gotten much FaceTime. She's kind of not been utilized enough to me. She's you know a great actress and doesn't get a lot, but this time she was like really out there, kind of like claws out. What did you think of the dynamic between her and Caprica Six? Did you think? And actually, you, well, you haven't seen the full scene. I so haven't seen the full scene. So you want to defer you to tell what happened? Extended well, version. The only thing that well, what happened was that President went in there and talked to her and wanted to find out information from her. And of course, Six was like, you know, are you gonna throw me out the airlock? And she's like, no, I promise. You know, which doesn't mean diddly. But then Six said that she would testify against Baltar, that she was gonna be his chief witness when they went to trial. She said, you know, take. Baltar to trial and I'll be your witness. Now, whether the president's going to actually trust her on that, I don't know. What would Six gain from that? Part of it was, and this is why I wish we had seen more of it, was when they, when she was talking to her, she said, well, you still have these values, right? You're it's still innocent in, until proven guilty. You still try people, right? So I, in a way, I was thinking, well, maybe she's just trying to spare his life so that he has a chance. They're not going to just execute him. They have to give him a trial. That buys him a little bit of time. Or... Maybe she does want him to to hang, but I don't see why she would then ask for the trial. But then she could just say, eh, toss him out if you want. So why she wants to be the witness, I don't understand the, the motive for that. Does she want to be the witness possibly so that she can show that she wants to help them, therefore maybe gaining their respect, I don't know, i.e. trust or something of that nature, to get her... Athena-like status. I mean, she's not going to get Athena-like status, but maybe she does, Maybe that's what she's searching for, because otherwise she's going to either be in a cell the whole time, tortured like before, or airlocked, which I think is a great term. Yeah. I think there's definitely some ulterior motive with her, and I think it revolves around Hera. I think at this point she's seen the child. You saw her react when the child got sick, and she was like, well, whatever we have to do, we're going to try to fix it. And so... I think she's starting to have no allegiance to the Cylons. She's not. She doesn't really have an allegiance to the humans. I think right now she wants to find Hera's destiny, God's plan for Hera. She's becoming an independent, maybe kind of a maverick, which kind of is funny because that's what uh, Deanna was. She was kind of doing her own thing. Maybe am I reading that wrong? Maybe or is, what do you think? I think it's possible, but maybe becoming a maverick on the Battlestar Galactica might be easier than being a maverick on a base star because then you are in the face of all the other Cylons and talking against them and arguing with them and contradicting. But here she's on her own, so maybe she can get more of her agenda accomplished because there's nobody there to stop her, question her. Yeah, I'm curious to see how the crew of Galactica, how Adama and the president trust her. Like how far are they willing to trust her? And whether they'll just take every word that comes out of her mouth as a lie or find some of the truth in it. Regarding the upcoming Baltar trial, which has now become a certainty, do you think, as with this entire season, they're going to have some sort of allegory to something that's going on in our current time, sort of something topical? It seems like that's something that they would probably do. They took the whole insurgent thing that was sort of a veiled... I mean, it was... It wasn't all Iraq, but it was partly a nod to that and other occupations as well as like Nazism, things like that. But this trial could be could be a, a stew of similarly other past trials where 
obviously recently we've had the Saddam trial, there's the Milosevic trial, there's past Nuremberg trials. I I think they're going to put a bunch of ingredients in the pot and take a bunch of stuff from that. And I think if they do it right, like they did with the new Caprica storyline, I think it's going to be pretty good. I just hope it doesn't drag out and become too much of a court drama, you know, L.A. Law in Space or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, keep it to a couple episodes. One thing I would like to see is... As much as I love the so-called mythology stories, X-Files have the same thing. Like there's the core mythology of the aliens invading the Earth and, you know, who's the smoking man and those stories. You always love to see them come back. We've had a lot of stories with Hera and the Final Five. and I kind of would like to get back just for a few standalone episodes. It seems like we've been lacking those for a while. This episode was a good one. Not a great one, but I would like, for lack of a better example, another 33. I would love some more really cool sci-fi stories that are just encapsulated. The problem, I think, is now that the Cylons are so unmasked, it's going to be hard for them to do those kind of stories. They're never going to run into aliens. They're never going to run into, like, some other civilization. So it kind of narrows what they can do. Well, maybe they can just surprise us and have Cylons jump in, and they'll think, well, last time they jumped into our vicinity, they just wanted to talk, and then just pull out their guns and just start shooting for the fun of it. You know? I'm getting tired of the final five. I'm getting tired of waiting every episode. Who is it? Who is it? And getting nothing. I really think they need. To, it's about time they need to. One of the main things that's going to come out of season three, besides New Caprica being obviously the cornerstone where they started from, is the fi- whole concept of final five because it takes. It's such a departure from the original series. Like there's this whole new mythology with the final five, the Cylons. I think they're going to run with that for quite some time. But yeah, it's amazing. But already we're. I think it was Ed who wrote us that said that he too is getting a little bit tired of the final five. And it's only been a few weeks really. Well, I think, and I think part of it is because this goes back to our discussions, like when people freeze frame and watch episodes and nowadays we can watch and discuss these things globally, you know, in such a capacity that we overload on it. You know, there's these you know, podcasts we're, we're guilty of it too. It'd be speculation and we have so much of it that we kind of like overdose on it. Well, maybe what you guys want is, just maybe every, not every episode, but maybe every second episode, one more piece of evidence is shown to us so that then, you know, we can speculate or it slowly just builds up. The evidence builds up and builds up and builds up. And if you're smart enough and you're clever enough, then maybe you can start piecing those pieces together and start coming up with answers. They showed us the Eye of Jupiter and they showed us the five there and then the, 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 that. I like the, the little tidbits we've been getting. Maybe we just need more. Or we could just have nothing for a long, long time. And people build up a groundswell of, where is the same thing with the Hera? For a long time, where's Hera? Where's Hera? I think they could get away with it more with the Final Five. Because with Hera, it was like, that was an actual character. Right. That and we didn't see. And it was like, something has to. You know, they took the, the child. Where is she? But with the Final Five, it's like, they can't just trot them out. Because they don't exist, really, that we any capacity that we know of. And it's also, the Final Five is more an important story. I think it's more important story for the Cylons. I don't know. I, I just don't know if it's important for the Battlestar Galactica people to, to be know. hunting or to know the Final Five. I mean, it, it should be kind of irrelevant because they don't even, they don't have a starting point. And the starting point that they had, the planet is gone. You know, the Eye of Jupiter, that's all gone. So they really have nothing to work off of. And the only person who theoretically saw the five with the ghostly five is put on ice so yeah unless they run into another planet that the 13th colony dropped off some more 
crumbs or something. <laughs> I think it would be tough to, to keep that one going. Well, we've said that we are overdosing on Final Five, but guess what? Next week there's no show because of the Super Bowl, so we will have a show where we are going to do some more speculations. I'm going to get to some of these other email questions, and we'll uh, talk about a few more things. Uh, Hera, Final Five. Stuff. Stuff. Just housekeeping-wise, uh, this episode, there was no Hilo and no Sharon, which is a bummer for me because they're my favorites. And Callie was mentioned, but obviously Yeah, okay, and up. in the beginning of the episode, they're playing this lullaby, and you're thinking, oh, how cute, they're singing to Nikki, that's so cute. Yeah, that's what I thought. And no, they end up having a fight. What is that? I don't understand that. Did I lose? What that was for? Yeah, I, I really thought they were going to pan over to, you know, through this montage and end up on, on them cuddling this baby. Yeah. And it ends up being Baltar, who, we mentioned this before, but, man, he looked Jesus oh, this he, week. I had that in my notes. He looked so Jesus-like in the cell. Oh, it was yeah. fantastic. Yeah. So, I don't know, maybe maybe there is some sort of correlation to that. So, maybe there's, maybe he is the chosen one, and eventually he's going to... He does believe he's a Become chosen enlightened. one. Uh, Six said, you're the chosen one. And he's like, yeah, I am the chosen one. But again, it, there's that wiggle room again. He thinks he is. The head six, who could or could not have any but validity or not. Yeah. Right, exactly. Could or could not have any validity, says it, but really does it mean anything? So what do you think he said to Gaeta? You mean what do you think Gaeta... Um, what did Baltar whisper to Gaeta? Yeah, I think he probably whispered, uh, I'm a Cylon, you little bastard. I think he told Gaeta he was a, that Gaeta is a Cylon. Or that I think you're Gaeta's a, a Cylon. You're a Cylon, you little bastard. I, I keep flip-flopping on who's Cylon, but I really think it's Gaeta. He's too smart for his own good. I don't know. Like I said before, the whole who's a Cylon thing, I, I'm tired of it. I think, I think you're a Cylon, Michelle. <laughs> I'd be okay with that. Why? Because my I'd have a twin, and then if you killed me, I could go back. That'd be awesome. <laughs> so let's rate the episode. How do you rate it? I'll give it an A. I agree with that. I'll give it an A. I'm not quite as enthusiastic about it. I give it a B minus. I originally was going to B. The thing that brought it, it was a B for me, which is a good grade. I mean, that's above average. It, that would have been fine. But the thing that brought it down for me was the very end when they're at the bar and Dee's there, Apollo's there. They're reconciling, supposedly. And then they look across the bar and, oh, there's Starbuck and Anders. And, oh, oh. It's like they were saying... After all this, okay, we're finally going to end this whole soap opera. And then all of a sudden, the door starts opening up again, just a crack. And I'm like, oh, no, please, just end it. So like Jason said last time, you know, the last five minutes can up a grade or lower a grade a little bit to me. That little bit was like, oh, no, please. Anyway, so again, next week, no episode, but we will try to put this show together. Any final comments? Yes. There was a couple of uh, quotes that really stood out. I have um, I have five of them here, but I'll just read one of them, which was Baltar's quote when he was being carried out of the cell. He said, get your mother fracking hands off me. I just want to say that that was awesome. <laughs> there was a quote in there that the president said. That she said, okay, we've given him the stick. Let's give him the carrot. Baltar said that to Gina Six. When he went over, when she was being tortured on Pegasus, he went over there and he said to the, I guess he said it to the Admiral, you know, well, you've given her the stick, let's give her the carrot. Mm -hmm. I was like, hmm, that's interesting. They're using the same line. You know, one thing I noticed in that song, it mentioned counting sheep. 
something they've avoided in this show is having any kind of mention of animals. Like to the point, New Caprica was the first time we even saw a dog of any kind because they were avoiding like having weird unbeasts, you know, that were not of Earth. But for them to actually bring up an, an Earth animal, this livestock creature is, I don't know, it seemed uh, unusual. I wonder if they really thought about. There was a the, dog, wasn't there? Didn't prior to New Caprica? No. Oh, I guess he never came with his dog. Never mind then. Yeah. No, please don't bring up. <laughs> please don't bring up Muffet or whatever. The hell <laughs> please. Muffet. I love Muffet. <laughs> okay, I guess that's it. So until next time, goodbye. So goodbye. say we all. Thanks for your lower back Oh! Hi, Thong? No, I don't have a thong on today. Uh, I'm sorry. Rats. <clears throat> I've seen it before, though. <laughs> when I wear my tight pants. It's nice. <laughs> I call her Michelle Six. Michelle. <laughs>